title of my message today, I'll encourage you guys to take notes, even if it's on your phone, is Building a Church. Building a Church. And the passage I'm going to be reading from is 2 Samuel 7. So if you brought your Bibles, you guys can open that up. I am going to put it up on the PowerPoint. 2 Samuel 7. The context of this passage is that King David has established Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel. He has a house. He has a throne. He is set in the city. And he has brought the Ark of God, which symbolizes the presence of God, into Jerusalem. And it is set up in a tent. David then desires to build a temple for God. Instead of having the Ark of God in a tent, he wants the Ark of God to be set in an ornate temple a nice building. Let's make something a bit more habitable, a bit more suitable for the Ark of the Covenant. Let's make a temple. So he expresses this to the prophet Nathan. I'm going to read to you guys 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 17. It's a long passage, so please follow along either up here or in your Bible uh, as I read it to you. 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 17. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies... The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. And this is actually a prophecy of Jesus Christ. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So David, again, expresses this desire. I want to make a temple. I want to build a house for the ark of God, for the presence of God. And since the time of Moses, when this ark was created, God had commanded Moses, you shall make a tent, a tabernacle for me, that the ark of the covenant shall be put in. My presence shall be in this tent, and this tent shall be where? In the middle 
of all the Israelites as they're wandering from Egypt to the promised land. God says, I desire to be in the middle. For all the other idols of that time, their worshipers had built shrines, had built temples and ornate buildings for their idols. God alone wanted to be in a tent. He wanted to be among his people. Now, the prophet Nathan initially encourages David, hey, go forward with it. You've been doing great. You're a man after God's own heart. This is good. But God speaks up very clearly through Nathan that night. And he says to David a couple key things that I feel are important for this church to meditate on as we're going through this interesting season, as we're going through all this transition. The first key is from verses 5 through 7. I'm going to read these again, and I bolded a couple parts. Hopefully you can see the bold. It says, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? You see, the first key from this passage is that God's heart is not with a building or a place. It's with his people. God's heart is not with a building or a place. It's with his people. When God revealed himself to Abraham, he didn't say, make up a shrine and this is where you'll come and meet with me. When he met with Moses, he didn't say, you, you set up something on this mountain and then people can come to me. He said, no, make for me a tent, an ark, which will symbolize my presence. And I will be with you and I will be right in the middle of all of you. Not at the front, not way behind, not at a distance, not up a mountain, not somewhere hidden. I want to be right in the middle of you. And so while David's desire to build a temple was a noble desire, it was a noble desire, true, you know, truly it was, it wasn't what God wanted David to do. God did not want to be confined to a building. He wanted to be in the midst of his people. And I want this to be comfort to you guys. We started as a church in Jersongville. This was many years ago, many different pastors before us. We started there in 2010. We planted a church called Itaewon. In King Bar. Ten people went there. We met in King Bar for, uh, I believe it was about seven months. Uh, and then we moved to Bogongdong, which is still in Itaewon, but a bit farther down and a bit more ghetto. Uh, we moved down there. Did God's presence stay in King Bar? No. God's presence went with us. Good things happened in Bogongdong. Years later, God began to speak to the leaders. Even prophecies were released. It's time to move. So Itaewon moved to Spazio, which was on the main road in Itaewon. And did God's presence stay in Bogongdong? No. God's presence moved with the people to Spazio. I'll be honest, as I've served at different places, I've grown a heart and uh, just a nostalgic you know, feeling for the churches that I've been in. You know, for King Bar, I'll be honest, it wasn't that big. That place was gross. All right. We had to clean the, you know, the vomit, you know, the different stuff. Like, uh, we're happy to move. But leaving Itaewon when I had to go to Shilim, that wasn't easy. And then being at Shilim, you know, and, and now this feeling like, oh, you know, we might not be able to be there anymore. It's, it's, it's hard. You know, that was a place of rest. That was a place where I encountered the Lord. That, that was a special place. But we read this in the Bible that there were always these special places where people encountered the Lord. 
but they weren't called to go back there. It was temporary. It was for a time. God is moving. And uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 3, 8. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Holy Spirit. You know, what I believe God wants for his church more than anything is that we will be led by the Holy Spirit. And he taught this to the Israelites as they're coming out of Egypt and they got this huge group of people and they're moving along and there was this pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And when it would move, it's time to move. And they would pick up, you know, the tents, the tabernacle and the ark and they would move forward. And then when it would stop, they would stop. And there would be seasons where they got to move for weeks, just keep moving and moving and moving. There'd be seasons where for an extended time, they're not moving at all. God wasn't messing with them. I don't believe God's messing with us, you know, right now. God was teaching them to obey his leading. God was showing them, I am a good shepherd. There's times where I'm going to make you lie down in green pasture. There's times where I'm going to lead you in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to take you through different places, and there's seasons for each, but you don't have to fear that that pasture is where I'm always going to be. I'm the one prompting. I'm the one leading. And sometimes God makes it clear to us, hey, it's time to leave Po Guangdong. It's time to go to Spazio. And other times we're forced out. With King Bar, it was the owner saying, all right, you guys have filled this up. You need to go. We, we weren't really wanting to move. We needed to move, but we were kind of comfortable. And this was our first church plant. We had to learn. There's seasons. There's different times. So there's going to be some times where God is going to be gentle and guide you, and you're going to get you know, the dreams, or you're going to get the words, or you're going to get the promptings, and you're going to move with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be other times where it's just like, I just lost my job. <laughs> What's going on? And those are the times it's a little harder to trust that God is sovereign, but God is indeed sovereign, and he's doing something, and sometimes he's got to force the issue, or we would never move. He's faithful. Our God is faithful. And you know, in the Old Testament... He showed his presence through an Ark of the Covenant. People hadn't been redeemed at that point. There was no unrighteous, not even one, so that he couldn't dwell in his, in his people's hearts because they're not holy. So he dwelled in this Ark of the Covenant. That's where his presence was. But after Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, he sent his Holy Spirit. And his Spirit didn't go to some building. His Spirit didn't go to some tent. His Spirit was sent into the hearts of every person that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? You are God's temple. It's not Hongdae Antioch. It's not Cherisongdo Church. It's not Spazio. It's not King Bar. It's not Pogongdong. It's not any of those places. We each carry the presence of God within us. We each are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So wherever we go, just like in the Old Testament, wherever the Israelites went, God was in the center. He was in the middle. He wasn't, you know, come on, catch up. He wasn't way behind. Oh, you run ahead. No, he was always at the center. And that's where he is right now. He's in the center of our hearts. He is with us and he loves us. And whether we're here at SFS or some concert hall, some other church, or the streets of Itaewon, God is with us, and he's moving. And uh, I want to make it clear, buildings are not evil, 
Okay? It's not that, oh, we should just renounce buildings and just keep moving or whatever. That's not the point. All right? There's going to be seasons where we move, and there's going to be seasons where we settle. And personally, I want to settle. I'm, I'm tired of this year. I'm ready to rest. I'm ready to find a place that's suitable for families, that is suitable for this church. It's not too far off. That's not inconvenient. That is a good place that you guys can look forward to going more than the place to meet with the people. But I want it to be good. You know, I don't believe God wants bad things for his people. He wants good things for us. And there will be times in the future that there may be need. There may need to be a building fund or there may need to be something that happens, you know, for a building or for a vision or for something else. But we're never to value the building or whatever more than the presence of God, more than the people. Okay, it's his presence. It's us that we value the most. That's the most important. And, uh, you know, looking at that crazy lineup of all what's happened over these months, I think any outsider would look at that list and see these campuses closing seeing different things happening and be like, ah, I think you guys should close shop. I think, I think you're done. And, um, you know, you can think that way. But for me, when I look at the staff and when I look at different key leaders in this church that have just stuck through everything and I see them smiling and I see them worshiping the Lord, for me, that's a sign that, no, this is not supposed to end. That this isn't, we're not supposed to just give up. Okay, guys, this is just, every door's closing. Let's just quit. Where there's worship, we, we got to continue it. You know, where the presence of God is moving, where there is joy. Okay, that's, that's the presence of the Lord. And after the retreat, the staff had come back exhausted and just worn out. To me, that would have been a sign that, okay, maybe, maybe we do need to, you know, shut things down. But instead, they come back after finding a new office Set, you know, selling all this stuff on the fourth floor, packaging all these things, moving to the new office, closing up the fifth floor, moving all these things to Shelim, working all these crazy hours, preparing for a retreat amidst all that. They're still worshiping. That blows me away. And for me, that's a sign. Okay, I think God is, is moving. And uh, I want to just ask the staff to stand up. You guys could stand up. So, John, can you move forward here? You guys stand up. Come on, staff. All right. Kate, Kate's trying to lean. She is staff there. Okay. We got four right there. JP. So, John, is there? All right. Let's give it up for these staff. Now, another crazy thing. Look at them all right now. Wait. Stay standing. Look at them. Only one of them has a salary with this church. That's nuts. Okay. I mean, if they were all paid staff and there were, okay, great. Good effort. Good job, guys. Five of them are support raising staff and they're not raking in the money. Support them. (laughs) Okay. I mean, they're making sacrifices to be here. And I think anyone in their right mind at some point in these past seven months, we've been like, uh, guys, I'm not even getting paid. I think all this heartache, and all these transitions and all these decisions and all this chaos is a bit too high above my pay grade, which is zero. 
But instead, they're still here and they're worshiping. That's the grace of God. And I want you guys to honor them. I want you guys to encourage them. Even the one paid staff in this group is not like making a ton of money or anything and has been bearing a lot of the work. Uh, They've been so faithful. And so let's once again, just honor them. Okay. So that first key is that God's heart is not with a building or a place. It's with his people. And I've just seen too much evidence of his presence being revealed through the different people here, through this group as we gather to say that, oh, this isn't a church. There's too much evidence. This is the church, whether we meet wherever. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, and us together, there is power, and God desires this. There's just been too much evidence. So the next key is from verses 7 through 9. I bolded it a little bit. Let's see if you can catch it. This is for all of you guys. In all places where I've moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. So what did God command his leaders to do in verse seven? God commanded them to, it's the previous slide. God commanded them to shepherd, shepherd the people of Israel. He didn't tell them to govern. He didn't tell them to be a military commander. He didn't tell them to be a teacher or a judge. And you know, those things were involved in some of their lives. They had to do that at different times. But first and foremost, God commanded his leaders to be a shepherd, to shepherd the people. And what was David before he became one of the greatest kings in history? What was his profession? To be a lowly shepherd. Shepherd. He was a man who cared for the sheep. God values a shepherd's heart. What do shepherds do? They care for the sheep. They guide them, protect them. They feed them. They discipline them. And they call each of them by their name. They're intimate with their sheep. They know their sheep well. Jesus himself described himself as the good shepherd. I know each and every one of my sheep. I call them by name. I am the good shepherd. God's heart is to care for the people. So God had first told David that he is not to build a house for him. He wants to dwell with his people. And then he says, the reason that I set up leaders, the reason why I have put you in your place is not so much to build. It's not so much to govern or to be a warrior, to be a mighty king. Your purpose is to love my people. It's to shepherd my people. It's to care for my people. To reveal me to my people. To be my hands and my feet to the people. You see, shepherds are not high and mighty like most of the kings of this earth. They're lowly. They make so many sacrifices. They do so much. They care so much. They give so much. And this was the heart 
that God wanted for his leaders. And what was David's heart? How was he described? Why did God love David so much? It says David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Shepherd's heart. That's what he had. His most famous psalm is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. This is the heart that God wants for his people. When Jesus reinstated Peter, what did he command him three times to do? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Now, what I'm saying is not just for the leaders here. This is for each and every one of you. If you call Jesus your Lord and your Savior, Savior, this is for you. Our relationship with God, out of our relationship with God, we are called to shepherd and to love others. Out of our relationship with God, we are called to shepherd and to love others. A shepherd's heart must be at the core of our being. Our motivations in this church, if you're going to be at this church, this is ground rules. All right, this is just ground rules for being here at New Philadelphia Church. If you are a believer, if you know the Lord, your motivation must be to love and to care for others. To shepherd and to love others. I don't care about your title. I don't care if you're on a team or you're not. You know, for Pastor David, he is our worship leader. And when he gets up here, his motivation is not to sound good. His motivation is not to be seen. His motivation is not to make the songs perfect. His motivation is to lead God's people into worship, into an encounter with God. That's a shepherd's heart. It's not a selfish heart. It's a heart that cares for the people. You know, for those welcoming Team members that were down at the bottom of the mountain, you know, like waving, welcome to New Philly. You're almost there. Not really, but, you know, we'll pretend. <laughs> Their motivation isn't to be seen. Their motivation isn't to rule. I have power. I will command you where to go, you know. If I like you, I'll send you up the mountain. If I don't, the church is that way. No. Their motivation is to help guide the people of God. Shepherd the people of God care for the people of God. The service team is, you know, the easiest because it's like, they're not being seen. They're not in front of anyone. And yet they're folding up the chairs. They're, they're cleaning the place. They're setting things up. No one sees them at all. What's their motivation to feel good about themselves? Oh, look at me. I'm a good person. I hope not. Their motivation is I want to set up a place where people can encounter God. I want this to be a place that is ready for people to come in and meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, it can be easy in this world of smartphones and instant gratification to become entitled and to be like, hey, you know, I want the church to be at this location. If it's not, I'm out. You know, I want the church to have this type of praise. If it doesn't have it, I'm out. I want the preacher to speak like this and to be this level of funny, but not this level, or I'm out. Okay? Hey, it's all right, you know, if you got your reasons, if you're church hunting, you know, I, I understand these things. But if you've been with this church, we've got to lay down our crowns, especially in this time of transition. And we've got to get back to the core of what it means to be a Christian. What does God really want from us? Why do we even come here? Is it to feel good? Is it to get some sort of teaching so that I feel smarter? I sure hope not. I hope that your reason to come here is I want to worship the Lord. I want to grow closer to him. And I want to see people that I love. 
I want to connect with them. You know? That's beautiful. That's good. That's what I want for each and every one of you. And I want to tell you that at the final judgment, when God is speaking to each person, he's not asking them, you know, how many times did you attend church? He's not asking them, how, how often did you fast? How many people did you lead to Christ? You know, what church did you attend? Was it a good church or was it a bad church? He's not doing that. Instead, for those that he calls his own, his sheep, he says, thank you for caring for me. Thank you for loving me. It's not how many salvations you got. It's not how many miracles happened through you. It's not how much you tithe. It's thank you for loving me. And in Matthew 25, 37 through 40, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. He's saying this not to shepherds. He's saying this to his sheep. This is the parable of the sheep and the goats. This is for everybody. We're all called to love. We're all called to be shepherds. We're all called to bind up the brokenhearted. We're all called to visit those who are sick, to visit those who, who just had a baby and celebrate with them, to visit those who are hurting and to pray for them. This is just what it means to be a believer, to be like the Good Samaritan. What's love, Jesus? What, what is love? It's seeing someone hurting and caring for them and not worrying, did this person get saved? Did this person come to church or not? Did this person's life turn around? No. Samaritan took care of him, binded up his wounds, brought him to an inn, and had to keep moving. Who knows about the results? That guy might have been a jerk that he helped. We don't know the story. God doesn't seem that interested in the results. He's interested in your heart. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Show it. And as you show it, as you love, as you lay down your crown, that's your entitlement. As we cast our crowns before him, as we just say, God, I want to give you glory. God, it's just such an honor to come and to worship you. God, it's such an honor just to be with people who love you. And, you know, just going to look around and, and ask, is there someone you want me to give a hug to or greet or just talk to? You don't have to do something dramatic. God, I, I want to be a person of your heart. I want to know your heart. I want to love you and know your heart, receive it, and I want to give it. It's the greatest commandment. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see that first thing? God's not in a building or a location. He's not somewhere far off. He's right here. So you connect with him. You love him. You worship him at your home. You worship him at your church. You worship him wherever people gather. You worship him. And as you worship him, he fills you up. He loves you. He blesses you. And as you get blessed, you give that love out. You pour it out. You show Christ to this earth. You reflect that image that you've been worshiping. You glow. You go out and glow. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as, I've, as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know 
that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They will know we are Christians by our works. No, it's by our love. They'll know we are Christians by our love. So these two keys that I want you guys to hold on to through this time of transition, as you might get another email this week that, hey, guys, we're going to Young Jay. I, I don't know. Like, we're going, we're going somewhere. It's like, okay. We're just, we're just going to, you know, we'll see what happens. God's not set in a building. He's moving with us. And he's the one that's setting this up. I wish it was our control. I wish I could know exactly what it's beyond our control, guys. You know, this is just the Lord leading us right now. Um, and as the Lord leads us, we're going to follow. We hope you can continue with us. We hope that you know that God is with us. We're temples of his Holy Spirit. And that as we go, it's not about us. It's not about what am I getting out of this? Am I getting served? Am I feeling good about this? Is this convenient for me? No. It's God, I want to encounter you so that others may encounter you through me. So that when I smile at someone, they don't just see my smile. They see the king's smile. They see the smile of Jesus. They're touched. There's something about that person. That smile wasn't done selfishly. That, that was a genuine smile. That was done out of love. Some of you guys have been wondering, what is the vision of the church moving forward? What's the banner? That we're carrying. What's the point? New Philadelphia Church. And elders have been discussing this. Believe that there's some things from the past that still apply. There's some things that need to be tossed. And there's also new things that God is doing. And as I shared earlier, we know that when a new lead pastor is hired, that there will likely be a, a different vision, identity that's going to come in that's going to touch this church. So we we don't know at this point. And we're not going to push some new thing right away. But what we feel in this time of transition is that the emphasis is love. Sounds cliche, but it's the greatest commandment. I think it's pretty important. Love God, love others. Return to our first love. Let's know him and let's let others know him by the love that we show. That's what we're going to be sharing about in these coming weeks. We want to go back to the core of what a church is. You know, as we're wandering around, kind of get back. All right, what, what are the basics? What does God really want out of us? What, why is God doing this? I believe, you know, part of it is so that we will learn how to lay down our conveniences, how to lay down our entitlements, how to lay down these different things and get back to what it really means to be a son and a daughter of God. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. So the vision for now is love God, love others. Return to our first love. You know, my hope that it isn't a vision statement that keeps you here. Uh, my hope is that it's not a location that keeps you here. And I understand for some of you who live really far away or have families, I understand that sometimes location, it, it's important. I understand that. But my hope is that in the end, it's not like the number one decision. But that the reason that you're here is because you're here to love God and to love his people. That the worship, whether it's great or the sound system just falls apart. Whether the pa pastor gets up here and is preaching a great message or is just bad. Okay? I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> Whatever happens, 
I'm here to worship God and I'm here to love others. And for now, this is where I feel the Lord calling me to be with. God's calling me for this season to be here. It might be next year. You're called to move somewhere else in this, in, you know, in this world. You're called to move somewhere else here in Korea. Transitions may happen. But my hope is that each of you, if you're attending here, that you will feel calling not to, oh, the name is just so special. Or, oh, that location is, is so good. But your core motivation will be, I want to love God and I want to love others. I want to love God and particularly love the people that are here, that are gathering to worship his name.